Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode eight of the JCDC Amshaw podcast with me, Johnny Courtney, and former Dublin footballer, Dermot Connolly. Dermot, how's it going, man? I'm very well, Johnny, very well. The sun is shining, the football's back, the country's starting to reopen a little bit again, so I'm, I'm, I'm a happy, happy sort of a man at the moment. Um, That's good to hear. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I have a little beanie bonnet over a couple of things, and it, it's been happening lately in, well, Predominantly Dublin, I'm sure you've seen the images and, and videos and stuff circulating around the place. But the, the anti, anti-social behaviour, these young lads going around on bikes and wearing all black and, and intimidating, not only kids, but they're intimidating everybody around the place. Um, I don't know whether you've seen the images of the whole junction where... I did, disgraceful. Yeah, where, yeah, absolutely, absolutely appalling kind of carry on. Um, it, there was girls trying to get back onto the dart and then one of them ended up getting tripped up and falling in between the, the dart line and, and the actual platform and, and the dart itself. And the biggest thing for me was not one of them reacted to try help her. They no. all just started laughing, and, and, which is absolutely disgusting. And there was more in, images then from Malahide later on that afternoon where they were attacking people. Um, and similar over in Docky, then I seen an, a, an image and, and a video the other day. But it, it, like these these gangs of kids, and that's all they are, is kids, they're, they're, they're youths under 16, so just very little can be done, I suppose, uh, as in chastising them, and I don't know, I don't know what, I don't know what this, the, I, I don't know what the solution is, but I, I know what they've done in some states in America where they, they gave curfews to kids, so if you're out past a certain time, you have to be home, or otherwise, there, there's serious sanctions to, to, to be uh, dealt with, you know. So I, I, it's, it's just it's, it's been on my mind for the last two or three weeks, and, and it's, it's getting to a stage now where something really needs to be done. I, I agree with you. I think um, it's, it is. I echo your, your, your words there. It's absolutely disgusting. Um, I think I, I felt physically sick in my stomach when I saw that girl fall between the train. Yeah. I, I can't imagine what she felt like. Um, you can only imagine the fear that she must have felt. Obviously, th- that in that split second, you're thinking, "Jesus, is the train going to take off?" I mean, you know, y- you could be killed. You could lose an arm, a leg. Yeah. Um, yeah. And as you said, like despite like there was one kid, like uh, you could see it. Uh, you could see kind of a couple of different instances all in the same short video clip. One guy kind of throws a shape with his bike at a girl who nearly falls. And then yes. a couple of seconds later, the next, um, and I think it was a lady. I'm, I don't know. It's obviously hard to tell what age this, this, this either girl or lady was, but um, either way, it doesn't matter. Um, she's just making her own uh, way down to get the train. She's in a hurry trying to make the train. And uh, one kind of shunts the bike a little bit at her. And then the next fella actually throws like he's thrown a shoulder at her. And I don't know if he made any connection with her, but it was enough to make her fall and make her, you know, trip up and, and go under that. And thankfully, I did see that there was... Um, there was a guy in a high vis uh, bib on the track further down the or further down the platform, I should say, and he kind of put his arms up, which I presume is some sort of signal for the train not to go anywhere. And then obviously they they did get that girl back up, but those those kids who did that, um, nobody tried to help, as you said. A few of them legged it straight away. Uh, one guy did stand there with his hand on his head, but he didn't go back to try and help. And you're just going like, where are these kids learning this behaviour from? Where are they? Uh, like, where are the parents? And and what do you do to stop it? Because I know, I know in um, 
in, in a lot of other European countries, like people were talking about those comments across on social media and a lot of people saying about, well, look, other European countries have transport police and all that sort of stuff. But that's that's fine if you're on the train or in the station. But I mean, as you said, there was multiple other incidents over the last few days and weeks, which are now being highlighted all that bit more with social media in terms of what happened in Malahide, where you saw a couple of older blokes are trying to separate what looks like two ga- different gangs from um, fighting and um you know, it seems that kids are going from one area to another area and just looking for trouble. And they're not, they don't seem to be doing it on their own doorstep. Look, I don't know where they're from, but um, it, whatever they're doing and wherever they're doing, it's not acceptable anyway. Um, but how, how you fix it, I don't know. More, more stringent measures, as you said, you know, in the UK, they had those ASPO things, which were basically, you know, anti-social order uh, stuff, which, which meant, I think they tagged the kids. I don't know whether that's true or not, or whether that's... Yeah, I did. I, they had something similar here. I think but when we were in school I think it was called a JLO or something like that and you were appointed then a, a juvenile liaison officer, officer or yeah. something like that who would actually who'd go around and he'd speak to the parents and, and speak to but I don't know how I don't know how that worked or, or, or did it even work because it's, it seems at the moment there's it's, it's lawless really at the moment like they're, they can do what they want and I've I seen that incident in Malahide you were talking about that happened later on in the afternoon where this gang of youths basically attacked some young lad with a chain and it's like and then a couple of bystanders then come over but the problem is these are underage and like if you lift a hand to one of these you're looking at a severe sentence or you're yeah, looking at you a end serious up in punishment then. so yeah so what what is the answer to all of this and it, it really needs to be addressed fairly quickly well i mean the day the days as we know of of whether it's a school teacher or or a copper giving you a slap are, are well and truly gone for the last 20 30 years but you know and i'm not saying that's correct either by any stretch of the imagination but what it did give in society was some level of uh, respect albeit possibly true fear but uh, god I, I, i'd say a lot of people would um would say maybe a bit of fear is what some of these kids need now because i mean this this stuff is out of control and maybe there's an element to it at the moment and i and i don't know um but maybe there's an element to it where the police are so stretched like the guards are stretched everywhere at the moment like whether they're trying to cover you know uh checkpoints or yeah, police and you know people will say then they're, that they're policing the wrong areas but i mean there's only there's not finite you know resources there is only finite resources here they can't they can't do everything but i think the cops have been pulled left right and center during the pandemic some people will say they were doing the right thing a lot of people will say they're doing the wrong thing but i mean it's ultimately i suppose the courts um have to decide on what you can do with these kids but again it's back to that word kids what, what realistically, what's the worst that's going to happen to them? It's on the parents. It, it, from, from my point of view, it has to be, it has to come back to the parents and it has to, there has to be some repercussions. But these kids shouldn't be out past 11, 12 o'clock at night in, in gangs of 20 and 30 going around the motorised vehicles, basically, at the moment. Of course they shouldn't. They're going around with these black, on, these, on these black bikes that are going 40 yeah. kilometres an hour. So they're easily get away from any incident that they 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 come across, I suppose. And it, it's, it's, it's baffling that nothing has been done so far, look, I had an incident uh, that was close to home here, and I, I spoke to you about it, Johnny, down down the park, Father Collins, not too far away from where we're living here. And my my girlfriend's young one and her, her friend were down there playing around the skate park, and these youths came along, maybe a year or two older than them, but they were, they were boys, like, you know, maybe 13 or 14, and robbed their skewers. You know, and what do you do? I got a phone call. We went down. We went down to see what was going on. We got one of the scooters back, and Murphy had gone off on the other one. But like these kids are putting it up to them. So like, 
like, and I, I raise my hand to one of them, but like, I'm the worst in the world, you know, yeah. and these are bullying 11, 12 year old girls and they're not even from the area. Like, so it's, it's like, as I'm saying, we went and we reported to the police and all that, but the, from the police point of view is all they're saying to you is that's all you can do. They can't really, they, they've no, they've no authority to do anything. These are children at the end of the day. And they're, well, they, they knew every one of the kids because I, I, I took the camera out and I, I was taking photos of them and, and a video just in case, just to, from my own point of view, you know, from my own peace of mind, in case there was that never said. Um, and they knew all these kids. So the, the police know the, these gangs youths are going around, but they still can't do anything about it. So what is the solution? You know, and there has uh, to be one. It comes, as you said earlier, a lot of it will come back to the parents and uh, wh- where where the hell are the parents while this is going on? Like, and why are they getting away with that? And I know, I know there, I heard on, I think it was a listen to news talk or something the other day. And they were talking about uh, the possibility of, um, for various sanctions and various reasons, not just to do with this, uh, not to do with the kids just uh, on its own, but um, you know, and again, this is this sounds terrible because I'm not trying to categorize anybody here, but they, you know, they're talking about whether it's the the kids' social welfare payments or whether it's the, uh, you know, whether it's the uh, I was going to say the, the children's allowance, I should say, uh, being taken off them or the uh, social welfare. And that, but that is obviously um, portraying this as just a, a, a systematic thing in in certain areas or certain people who who maybe aren't working or stuff. So I don't mean it like that. I mean, I don't know, I don't know what the perfect answer is there, but that, that's what they were saying. Yeah. Like, if you hit the parents with sanctions in some way or the fines, um, yeah. maybe maybe the parents will then finally act on something. But I mean, there's no simple solution on it. And it, but it, I mean, I tell you what, I, I mean, it takes a hell of a lot as a parent. It takes a hell of a lot of willpower not to get involved uh, with something if somebody's done something to your kid. And then, but then you're into that thing where you're meant to be the adult, but yeah, and you've got yeah. engaged in some sort of situation because probably a gang of kids are 100% in the wrong. You get sucked into it and then the, the cops are knocking on your door, not on their door. And you're just yeah. like, where, where's the logic? Or where's the, where's the sense of that? Know, That's, that, that? That is definitely a, a massive issue. But I mean, I think, I think most reasonable people would agree that something needs to be done. It's for obviously judges and, and the courts to decide on that. But I mean, it has to stop because it's, you, you, we've heard it as well. I've heard it more, more locally here in kind of Dublin 15 area where you have gangs of kids hanging out on the, the, around the locks on the canal. And when they, they wait until one bloke or maybe one girl goes along on their scooter or their bike and then they jump out and, and take them. Yeah. Take the bike yeah. off them and stuff. If yeah. you go by in a gang, it's, 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 it's a that. gang mentality. It's an absolute yeah. gang mentality. I've seen it because I do jo- go down jogging around Father Collins Park there, and there could be like there could be twenty or thirty young lads. Do you know what I mean? Like if they set upon you, you haven't got much of a chance there. No, you know? not with that, not with that many. It's not, it's no. not a not a situation that like you need to engage in, and it's not something. But I mean, that is the nature of unfortunately stupid kind of adolescent teenagers yeah um but it's no that's that's in no way giving them a pass or, or saying that, that any of the behavior is acceptable so i mean yeah. ho- hopefully something can be done because there's too many incidents and uh you know in one way it's really good that's been caught on social uh on social media in terms of people are filming it because i mean yeah, they're naming it you're, you're getting named the chain now at this stage you know what i mean yeah, but, and, and, but and it kind of for the question then i suppose is do they does it affect them or is this a bravado thing? You know, does that make them even like yeah. when, they, when they are on these videos, does that make them cooler? I suppose, or well, that's a wrong word to say, but like, 
yeah do they think think he's giving them kudos or something like yeah yeah which is again it's you know i suppose everybody thinks they have sense at every age they are and it's only as you get older you start you know proper you know there's no substitute for experience as they say so yeah um, you know they might think they're cool now but it's not it's it's not very funny when you get locked up for 20 years for like i mean they, they could be and should be in my opinion uh, they should be charged with attempted murder there. That's that that girl could have been killed by the train. So yeah, and then and then you see the other images where they're where they're kicking people in the head when they're on the ground. Like just just ten and twelve lads setting upon one guy. Like you just don't have a chance in that scenario. You know no. what I mean? Like no, and uh, it, it's it's ruthless. But anyway, we'll we'll move, we'll move yeah. on because yeah. we're, we're we're coming towards the end of the, the the pandemic. Please God, with the vaccine rollout and everything else. And I just wanted to ask you a couple of questions about what have you kind of learned from this pandemic um what would you love to keep from a personal point of view and also a business point of view and and what would you what would you rather not see again i suppose from a, from a pandemic point of view yeah um it's an interesting <laughs> that's a broad question there it is it is there's a there's a wide net thrown on that one but um no it's an it's an interesting one like i think um uh, there has been, I, I know, look, I, I don't mean to undermine uh, anybody who's, who's unfortunately lost anybody in the pandemic or, or uh, people who've been very sick and all that. But obviously, some, some good comes out of everything. And I, I think, I suppose, spending time with family has been, has been positive, um, more time than you would normally have. Like, for example, like I travel normally on a normal year, regular year, I'd, I'd be out of the country up to six months a year with my, with my job. So obviously, I haven't left the country since... Uh, February last year uh, so I've been home now for some sort of record time so I don't know I don't know you, you might have to ask Anita how she feels about this but um, uh, what was good I tell you what I liked um, I loved um, I fallen in love with my barbecue <laughs> that's a weird cool. one and the fire pit uh, and there's something real basic about like doing that bit of cooking and I suppose it's it's more to do with slowing down and just taking it easy and living at home I think as I said with the less travel and I think even even Lauren my, my, my daughter now she's nearly eight and she's very conscious of the environmental thing and, and making sure that the, all the, the right rubbish goes in the right bins and all that sort of stuff. So she's delighted that I'm not traveling because she associates the air travel. She knows it's not good for the environment. So, so all that stuff is slowly chipping away with me. And I think I will actually travel less. And the likes of, um, I suppose, the way we're recording this now, the likes of Zoom and stuff has made the world smaller and, and, and kind of easier. Um, so you don't, you, you can do this with anyone in the world. You just have to find the right day, uh, right day and right time. So... I think that's been kind of a positive. Um, and, and I think, you know what, being at home, I think, uh, you know, you don't always have to go out, out to have fun. I mean, at various times when you've been allowed to have more households over and stuff like that, I've certainly, uh, we've got a lot closer to our neighbours. We would certainly feel that um, the neighbourhood thing has has uh, really kicked in. Like, we'll now ask our neighbours, you know, when anyone's going to the shop, do you want anything? Or, you know, uh, there's all that sort of stuff. And having the neighbours in for a barbecue here and there, have a couple of drinks, um, as I said, when we've been allowed to do that. So I think that's brilliant. I'm, I'm certainly not, I'm not missing uh, the traffic. Uh, I'm mm. not missing the stress of the daily commute, wasting an hour in the morning and wasting an hour in the evening. 
Um, that they're two things that I, I'm glad to see the back of. Um, but I, what else am I liking? I'm I, I'm I'm really appreciating kind of the f- uh, food, I suppose, uh, cooking, <laughs> like making food at home rather than going out to restaurants as much as I like going. We're out. gonna have to start shifting these pandemic bellies now. I know, I know. Well, that's that's what all the running is for. That's what all the running is for. So. Um, yeah, I, I think, and reading, I've probably been reading a lot more, uh, although sometimes that's turned into listen to Audible, uh, which is a bit cheating, um, I suppose, really, but uh, I have been reading a lot more as well, um, having that bit of time. So, you know, it, it is a funny one, I suppose. They, they always say, you know, if you look back at things, you get depressed. If you look forward, you get anxious. So I think <laughs> the, the moral of the story is living the now. And if you're living in the now, you can't get too distracted by anything else. Um, so... Yeah, that's that's my my two pence halfpenny worth on that one. What did what, yeah, it's, it's, what would you keep? Or? Yeah, no, it's pretty similar, Johnny. It's it's like we've got a different perspective, I suppose. Now, like everyone, like it's the rat race, really, isn't it? Like everyone's running around and busy, 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 and I, I think the world just slowed down a small bit more, and, and we kind of started realizing that you know time is precious, you know, and 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 like if we can if you can stay at home till the traffic is beat in the morning and catch up on your emails or do zoom calls, can we be a little bit more productive? I think, and it, like, I, I see it even in, in, in the school classrooms now, like the, the school classroom hasn't changed in a hundred years, but, and the workplace hadn't really either, but now it's starting to evolve a little bit and kind of like there was remote learning done in school. And obviously that's getting kids up to speed using computers and iPads and technology and all sorts of stuff. And then, also, technology evolved over over the pandemic because people needed to communicate, obviously remotely now, and they can't be in the office or they can't make a meeting or do this, that, and the other. And I, I think all of that's been a huge positive. Um, what I really missed the most was though is is like just going to just going to the gym or going out for a swim or you know going out for a meal on a Friday night or a few beers or whatever it may be. Like that was that was my that's my like little crutch that I like. You know, it's it's your it's your happy place, I suppose. And yeah. being a being at home for 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 that length of time was 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 tough at times, but we got through. As you said, trying to stay in the now is is pretty much the the best way to kind of think about it. Yeah, I think I think that um, you know, it's that end of week release after a long week kind of thing, going out for a bite to eat or a couple of drinks, and just having that social kind of exhale where you're just ah glad you know <laughs> glad that week's over kind of thing. Um, Hit the top but, button open. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Uh, and, and one notch on the belt and, yeah. uh, but but I think again that probably ties back into some of the stuff we were talking about in terms of like the, the stressful commute and, and being full on all the time and I think that dynamic has changed um, for a lot of people now I think there'll be I think a lot of people will be in some sort of race uh, to get back to normal but like that's why I suppose we're talking about this some of the things that have evolved and changed are good things and they and we shouldn't go back to some of the things that we were talking about that are bad and you know, I would love to see like some of the schools, like uh, the schools in different areas um, ha- chatting to each other and some of them like the staggered times that the kids are starting at now. So they don't all go in at the same time and all that. They should keep that because it's eased the traffic. It's eased um, kind of congestion at the school gate and traffic at the school gate and all that sort of stuff. That stuff should be kept 100 um, percent. And I know, uh, you know, people don't get to maybe see each other as often and all that sort of stuff because, because of those staggered times. But I think it just makes sense uh, going back. There's also, you know, we were talking about it last week with Owen McGee to a degree. 
I wouldn't I wouldn't have known how I felt about people working remotely and working from home. And because we've had to do it that way for the last year, um, I've I've found out that it, it was grand and it was great. And, and, and most people have been brilliant. So, um, yeah. And, and what's, what's more on that, actually, and I, I was speaking to a lot of people who, who have them sort of office jobs and they'd be sitting at two screens, I suppose, most of the day. And now what they're they're the work entails is maybe jumping on a Zoom call two or three times a day and you're you're working on your own essentially at home and you obviously have your phone or whatever to communicate with people in your in your in your bubble or whatever, but they're actually more productive at home, which is which I thought was funny because you think that it'd be a bit lazier at home that you'd you have distractions here and there, but actually what what actually happened was people were actually more productive. And I, I thought that was a I, it's I, a definitely I, a positive I, from, I, from a business point yeah. of view, but but it, like it's it's a funny one. Like I, I, I don't really understand that because I, I know think me, people I, are I just trying to hide from their families. I get I get distracted very easily. So shiny. Yeah. No, I reckon that uh, when you're in the house all day with, with everybody that you live on top of twenty four hours a day, I think at some point you go, Jesus, I just need to break from this. And yeah, you know, yeah. Probably get more work done because you're hiding in the wardrobe trying to get your yeah, costs yeah. work done. But yeah, uh, no, that's that's been that's been there. Uh, it's a, it's an interesting conversation, but I I definitely think there's learnings in this and i don't think we should be kind of trying to um break break world records trying to get back to normal i think we should probably ease into it a little bit and uh and keep some of the things as i said like staggered times for certain things i think that makes a lot of sense even even a lot of the supermarkets and stuff remember they had those kind of oap or vulnerable kind of yeah. shopping hours and all that. Yeah. that that's a compassionate thing to do in society anyway it we probably shouldn't have needed a pandemic to have things like that going um, and even whether that means in terms of like um OIPs when they have their hour or two hours shopping like if, if they get certain discounts and certain things like that that would be a real cool way of you know a thank you and just just a nice nod to to, to people as they get older yeah. That's so- and, and like you said then like people people having more of a community kind of feel around the place like I remember when the first pandem- pandemic hit a, a mate of mine he's, he's a school liaison officer and basically what he did was to be in a disadvantaged school um uh, it's a desk school actually, and, and a lot of the kids would rely on the school for for their say breakfast, lunch, and, and even a meal or whatever. Yeah. Um, and what they did was they they rolled that they kept that going. So he went around, they done food deliveries. I gave him a dig out every, once in a little while. Um, but basically they brought the staff in to go and, and uh, keep keep rolling that sort of stuff out. Like and and it does like it, it gives you I suppose like it's easy when you see a kid come into school and you, you don't really know his background, but now that you're actually interacting with the parents who maybe are home and, and doing whatever like it creates that little community environment and then people are looking out for each other a little bit more like like as you said i know the gaa got very much involved in this community stuff for, for oaps or whatever um so they wouldn't be isolated at home and, and just knocking on the door or picking up the phone and, and you know asking how people are do you need that and can i do something for you and it, it did create that that kind of community environment again and that's what ireland's all about really like, uh, like it, we, was, we kind of, we, it was 100 community spirit for years and years and years when we were kids and uh, you know everybody looked out for their neighbors all the time and all that sort of stuff and i think you know through the Celtic Tiger era and stuff, people start getting a bit more wrapped up in themselves and, you know, just their thing and all that. And I think it has given that that area of pause for people and and, and it's a good thing. So as I said, I definitely don't think we should throw the, the, the baby out with the bathwater and all the, all the things that we've done. But um, now, do you know that you, you mentioned the GAA there? A couple, of, a couple of good things this week. I thought that the announcement on um, the equality in terms of funding for the women's GAA was brilliant. brilliant. 
So that Brilliant. was like superb because I mean, the GEA again have put themselves front and center in terms of the equality piece, in terms of sport in this country. And I think that's credit where credit is due to both the GEA and the GPA on that decision. But also, um, a little story that broke kind of last night was uh, a, a mutual friend of uh, yours and mine, Philly Ryan, um, from, from my club, St. Bridget's, here is uh, it's just after being announced that he's gone down to join the, the lads down in Tip, which is obviously where it's. Yeah. Side of the family and that are from, so um, I, I, it kind of leads to a, a, a kind of other question in terms of what do you think of it? But what, what do you think of the, um, the the you know people moving county in terms of giving them the option to play somewhere else if it, if they're in a big county like Dublin where it's ultra competitive and hard to get a spot? What you know, Philly Philly's a great lad, obviously, and a, a, a very good finisher, but he just has so much competition here. Yeah. Uh... I, I get both sides of the argument. I'd be a big one for, you know, staying within your own county. Um, maybe I'm a little bit of a traditionalist on this, but uh, Tintin, Ryan, um, like he, 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 had a, he had a great underage career. Like Jim Gavin would have had him, I think, I don't know whether he had a minor, but he definitely had him under 21. And he, he was very successful in a, in a team that we all know now are, are superstars, really. Like he would have played with the likes of Paul Mannion, Carm Costello and them lads, you know. Um, but I'll tell, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you a funny story about Philly Ryan because he was, he Philly, came out with Philly 20, listens in now, right? So Philly's coming yeah. down, oh God, so where's this going? Philly, <laughs> if you're listening, Philly, if you're listening. <laughs> but uh, so basically, Jim had kind of taken us over. It would have been around 2013, maybe 14, 15 season. And it was pre-season, we were training up in Davids at the time, at the gym up over the, the, the sports hall. And we'd go out and we'd train on the pitch, but there was a group of lads who kind of came from the 21s maybe the year previous or the year previous to that. And they were all, they were in the gym and they're trying to put on muscle mass. So they are doing savage amount of reps and they weren't doing a whole lot of ball work. So basically we went up, we do, we do a little kind of a, a warm-up, say, indoor warm-up in the gym. And, and then we'd head out onto the pitch and do whatever, running or football or whatever we had to do. But the lads stayed into the gym and they were lifting. Yeah, they were doing serious. Like, they were probably doing 10 reps of 10, trying to put on a bit of mass or whatever. But myself, and I don't know who it was, maybe it was Paul Flynn or, or Nick McCauley, we decided we'd go up after training anyway, because there were still five or six lads were still up there. And we'd, we'd give them a hand or we'd, we'd, throw, we'd throw a bit of weight around or do whatever, you know. Anyway, I've never, ever seen this happen before in a gym, especially in an elite gym like this. So they were doing a, a kind of a finisher exercise at the end. It was a bench press. And so you have your normal bench press, your 20 kilo bar, uh, your Olympic bar, and you'd have two 10 kilo plates. And then to be two, two fives either side, two fives, two fives, two fives. So basically, pick up the bar, 80 kilo says it starts. You do your 10 reps, then they take off the two tens, do your 10 reps, take off the two tens, which all the way down to, which is probably equivalent to about 80 reps, right? But you're bringing down the weight as you go. And Philly Ryan on the on the last one, he just had the bar in his hand. Like, I swear, I'll never forget it. I can see it in my mind's eye here. He couldn't get the bar off his chest. Just the bar, just the bar. <laughs> his, arms, his arms are so Sorry screwed about that, the Philly, but I had to be told. <laughs> oh, Philly's never going to play golf with me again. <laughs> Noodle arms. <laughs> oh, brilliant! I love it. So we're, again, we'll stay. We'll stay on the topic. Uh, we've got we've got um, the football back this weekend. We've got. Uh, we we'll, we'll just do a quick one on the uh, a quick uh, ask on the uh, the fixtures for for Division One. I should say so. Kerry Kerry Galway. Um, uh, first up, who do you fancy there? Yeah, it's, uh, look, Bowden had a kind of a weird season last year. Kerry 
Kerry were knocked out in the Munster semi-final with Cork and it was, it was for me it wasn't a it was a mindset more sort of a thing it wasn't really a, like Kerry Kerry won that game well would have won that game comfortably had they just took their chances or actually just taking the points rather than going for goal in certain scenarios and Cork on a hoodwinked them a little bit but I, I think Kerry Kerry will learn a lot from that this year um, it's very hard to call any of these games. Yeah, like we watched close. the hurling, we watched the hurling last weekend, and some of them were very competitive, and then others were more like challenge games, if you know what I mean. So, yeah. um, I, I, I'd love, I, I'd love to see this Kerry team actually do something like win Munster this year and, and really go have a cut off this all Ireland because they, Dublin need they need that they need the competition to be honest with you. Like Mayo, Mayo are probably the best team there, and then you've got Donegal and Tyrone with a new manager coming in, like. Hopefully we can see something from from the pack, I suppose, and 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 make this championship really competitive again. You know. Speaking of Tyrone, Tyrone and Donegal should be an yeah. interesting one for yeah. That's, that should be a good game. A, that that'll spicy. be a, spicy. That'll be a spicy affair. I imagine it's in Tyrone. Um, the, the Tyrone of new management, obviously, Mickey Hart stepped away. Like uh, he's, he's been an unbelievable servant to Tyrone. He he brought him to the Holy Grail three times, and one of his one of his old stalwarts is 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 now managing Tyrone. Um, Brian Dewher, he ha- he has another fella in with him. Um, Logan, I think is his name, and um, we, I, I I don't know. Like Tyrone always have these classy footballers, but if they can put something together, I mean, they won't be too far away. Like, and and maybe maybe the Mickey Hart thing might free up. A, li- a little bit more, like a, a little bit more of a system for Toronto. They kind of played very defensive under under Mickey Hart, and and I, I think if they're a little bit more attack minded, they're going to add something, even a player here or there. They won't be too far away. Like they're 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 a serious outfit, and like it's 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 about fine margins when it comes to the when it comes to the like the top four, or top six in the All Ireland series. You know, cool Sunday Sunday. Then we have um, yeah, we'll be opener Ross Common in Dublin. I I'll. Uh... I'll give you a pass yeah, well, on that one, will I? <laughs> yeah, well, it is what it is. Look, it's, I suppose it's an opportunity for guys, especially the likes of Carmen Costello and uh, and guys who kind of sat out most of the year last year. Like Paul Mannion now has, has left the panel. It doesn't look like Jack's going to come back. And um, does this, I can imagine the serious competition for places. But again, I, I can see Desi Farrell probably using this, these couple of games to see what he has on the bench. And because and, like, he obviously knows. Is is top 12, 13 players, and they kind of pick themselves really on any given day. But what what sort of a panel does he have going forward? And, and I'd say he'll kind of tweak that a little bit and, and see where lads are going and, and kind of give guys game time. That's what usually happens in the league where he's playing yeah. probably 26 to three, 28 players. There's only three you know, games to mess around with this year is, as well. Yeah, so, so you've got to, you know, what if you're going to try anybody new, you've got to do it now. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and uh, like, yeah, it's it's a funny one. Roscommon, Roscommon last year just never really, never really got to the pitch of it at all. So, you, yeah, you after a couple of years in the Super Eights and all that, they, where they got there, they you know they never really kicked on. Exactly, exactly, yeah. And then you've got Armagh, Armagh, Monaghan. Then on Sunday after that, and that's yeah. this is going to be a very interesting one because it's Armagh's first time Division One in a long time. Kieran McGinn is the manager. We all know what he's like, how he prepares his teams. Like, they're always going to be really, really fit and, and all that sort of stuff. Mullen were hoodwinked by Cavan last year. We, you know, Ray McGalligan, monster point to, to, to draw the game. I'm going to watch it now. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so that should, that should be a good one. But I suppose the first weekend, you don't know how panels are going. You don't know what personnel are around. You don't, you know, so it's, it, it's going to be interesting to see, like, 
who's who's came through the pandemic fairly unscathed and mm. who has added something and who hasn't so it's going to be interesting cool 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 and then listen we're we're we're, we're coming rapidly towards our time here but uh, i've got a couple of uh, uh i was gonna say viewers a couple of listener questions in um, <laughs> again for you which i know i know you'll thrive on and love i love this johnny yeah <laughs> but uh now a couple of good ones this week to be fair so uh, first one was uh, if you had one do-over game, any game that you've ever played in, any age group, whether it's inter-county or club or whatever, um, and you could redo it and replay it, uh, probably I would assume because of the outcome, um, what game would it be? That'll put you on the spot maybe a bit. Yeah. Jump into mind. I have a couple of them, I suppose, and, and the do-over games are always the ones that you, you think about most, I suppose, the, the ones that you've lost. Um, the one that kind of sticks out in my mind is Donegal in 2014, where we just, I don't think the better team lost on the day. And I'm going to be going to say that because I'm biased, but I think we, we were we were so good leading into that game and so confident leading into that game. But our, our, our biggest problem was we weren't prepared. We weren't prepared to come under the cost. We weren't prepared to come up against you know, 14 behind the ball or, or 13 behind the ball. We, we, we were just, we were scoring at will. Even the first half that, I remember that first half that, yeah, that game. Yeah, kicked some monster points that day. Yeah, like they, the they packed the defence, but we, we were just, we were just so confident that we, like, we were kicking balls over the bar from 40, 50 yards. And um, like, we had a couple of goal chances. Had they gone in, we probably would have been out of sight before half time. And what happened was, we, we kind of kept, Tyrone or Donegal in the game and, and they got they literally got a flick on from the kick out and, and like three on one running at the goalkeeper and even that they, they got a jammy goal that squared under the legs of Rory O'Carroll or Philly or someone on the line and yeah, they went right. in at half time I think one down where we played all the football and then they came out in the second half and done the exact same Go thing again straight away. kick out flick on and you got two goals from that and that's that's one of those things I suppose hindsight's a wonderful thing and it, 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 we lost that tactically I thought um, I'm not saying from the manager's point of view. I'm saying from players' point of view, we we just got ahead of ourselves a little bit, you know. Like Pat Gilroy would have came in, and we would have been very solid at, at the back, always very solid at the back. And you'd never see Dublin with only one or two defenders marking one or two forwards. You'd never ever see that. That just wouldn't happen. But we we were just so good in in, in 13. We blitzed everyone by playing kind of all out attack football and and we kind of done the same in, in 14 until we met the Donegal side that that you know they were prepared for us they that this was their you know this is their shot of glory I'm just I'm just sick that they didn't want to be carrying the final to be honest with you no yeah. they did they they did they did win one but they probably should have won that one that year. Yeah, I think, yeah I, think that's, to, I think to mug Dublin that day, and, and that's no disrespect to them. It's no, you know, Dublin were the hot favourites going in that day. But I mean, um, to, to mug Dublin that day, they nearly had they had to show everything they had in the deck. And uh, Kerry had three weeks then to pick apart that game plan, I suppose. And I, I, I always felt after Dublin got beaten that day, I said, you know, Kerry, Kerry will be just a bit probably too cute for them. And, and they were because they had to show everything. But yeah. Um, yeah. there we go. And yeah. then the second, the second question is... Um, what club or county game gave you personally the most pleasure? Um, and whether that's, I, I presume that's even from a, you know, maybe maybe you got the better of an opponent who'd got better of you before, or maybe it was like a kind of revenge for somebody who, who was somebody <laughs> before. Uh, I'm trying to interpret these questions. No, it, was like, no, uh, it was no, it was no bit of revenge or anything like that. It was probably the club one in 14 because we, we, we we'd been so good, say in sorry, we we've been so good in the Dublin Championship and the Leinster Championship. Uh, 
like we were we were actually we were flying as a team and I, I remember I went away on the 14th I think it was the 14th of December right so played the Leinster final on the first week in December that year which was 2013 <clears throat> and then I, I was a gang of us booked away to go to Thailand obviously I'd missed I, I missed all these summer holidays and all that sort of stuff but I got the opportunity to go to Thailand and a lot of my friends had been in Australia at the time so what we were going to do is, is go for nearly three or four weeks to Thailand grand perfect went away Literally did not, I'm not messing you, we did not run, did not lift, did not do anything for four or five weeks, right? Got back in February and I remember it was it was a week, it was 10 days out from an All-Ireland semi-final against Ballanderry up in Newry, right? Which is a place you don't want to go in the depths of winter, first of all, because it's called the marshes. It's 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 just a really heavy sand-based sort of pitch, you know? And I was dreading this. I remember going out training the first, the first Tuesday back from, and I was blown out my ass and I was thinking, oh my, God, what am I after doing? I'm about to ruin myself here, right? <laughs> so anyway, we went up, we played Baron Derry. We played Baron Derry, I think it was probably the first, second week of February. <clears throat> and we literally got out with the skin of our teeth. Mossy got a great goal from about 20 yards out. I, 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 I still think he was going for a point, to be totally honest with you. And he just mishit it. But, uh, we we'll ask him on here someday. We'll ask what he's doing. We got out with the skin of our teeth. And, and what, what, what was really satisfying about that year was we sort of three or four weeks leading into an All-Ireland final on Paddy's Day and we were to play Castlebar Mitchells who he'd been knocking on the door that, that championship for three or four years and I, I remember I remember just saying to myself leaving Ballanderry I can never show up like that again I just can't so I remember really killing myself for three or four weeks right and being the most nervous I've been before a game my whole entire life before that game I was sweeping the car I was fucking cutting the grass I just couldn't I I've done everything to get get away from thinking about the game, right? Anyway, turned up turned up in Crow Park and I'd one of those where I don't know the sports people I suppose might be able to might be able to think I suppose think the same, but it was like you're in this flow state moment. I can't remember one bit of that game until I watched it back. A lot, lot of really, other people really, can. really weird. <laughs> it was like everything was in slow motion. So that's one of the games that because because I felt like I, I, I kind of took, not took the piss a little bit, but I went away when, you know, when we had a real opportunity and we, we nearly got fucking, we nearly, we nearly got robbed. <laughs> well, not robbed, we nearly got beaten up in, up in Nuri that time by Ballanderry and we only got out by the skin of our teeth and only because we got out by the skin of our, and that was, you know, that was down to me being a little bit selfish, I suppose, going away and all that sort of stuff. Like I, I, think, I, I, I think, had missed as you said, though, yeah, you, that, you do miss it. You know, as, as we said before, what's the price you're willing to pay? And sometimes you need a break. Yeah. Like, I mean, you've been going for years. You miss all the summers. You miss all the stuff. I mean, nobody's going to give you too so, hard a time for going away. Yeah, so per- personally, that game, I suppose, that the club won in 2014, personally, was probably my... The one I look back on the fondest because I knew I'd put in the work after that semi-final into the final and, and it, it just paid off, which is, you know... Good. That's a good... It's a good one to end on, actually. Um, so, look, we, we, we're, we're about out of time here. Um, just want to remind everybody that we'd really appreciate if you could subscribe to the podca- podcast wherever you get it from, whether that's on iTunes or Spotify, Google uh, uh, Podcasts, wherever it may be. And over the next couple of weeks, we, we're going to have some great guests coming up. So, we're going to have the likes of uh, Kevin Caban. We're going to have Stephanie Roach, uh, Richie Sadler, uh, Deck Pierce from Block Rock and Beats, uh, Bernard Dunn, um, Daniel Davey. We have a lot of interesting people coming up over the next while. So hopefully you can all stay tuned and bear with us. And uh, until next week, Dermo. Cheers, buddy.